discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to welcome you to Wednesday night's service. I believe you're enjoying yourself already. Yeah. We've had a very powerful opening prayer session and a very wonderful worship session. And I'm here to continue the word I've been sharing with you concerning the Lord's coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think we've learned too many things already, isn't it? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, um, the last I was sharing concerning the, the rapture, so many things about the Lord's coming, the marriage, various marriage stages, isn't it? I think we've mentioned, how many stages have we mentioned so far? About four or five. Four. We've mentioned four stages. What is the fourth stage? Niswain. The Niswain. That's the actual wedding day. And the first thing that happens during the actual wedding day is that the bride is what? Is stolen or snatched away to the wedding. Hallelujah. So, that speaks of the rapture, isn't it? And the last time I was talking about how that the rapture is the most exciting day for the bride of Christ. For us as children of God, it is the most exciting day because the word rapture, even in the, in the dictionary, means excitement, ecstasy, rhapsody, great pleasure. That's what it means. So it's not something to dread. It's not something to think about with uh, so much concern and so much fear. It's unfortunate because of uh, because the church has not been thought, we, we think about the Lord's coming in a very terrible way, which has not helped anybody in time past. But I believe these things are going to help you. These yeah. things that we are saying is going, to, is going to help you think differently about the Lord's coming. He wants to be desired as a, as a, as a love affair. It's not, it's not a fear affair. It's not, uh, it's not a time for us to be killed or to be destroyed. And tonight, I want to share some more with you, okay? So, like I was saying, the rapture is the most exciting day for the bride of Christ. Because this is the day when our bodies are transfigured. You see? Out of all, amongst all the, the things that, that you can think about, one of the major things is that the day that our bodies are transfigured. If you read in Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1, he says that, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Colossians 3, from verse 1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Then verse 2 says, set your affection on things above. I shared this with you the last time. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Then verse 3 says, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Your real life is hid with Christ in God. Then he says, when Christ, who is alive, that's the next verse, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. On that day when he shall appear, 
He says, then shall we also appear with him in glory. This is something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah. It's exciting. He says, yeah. when Christ who is our life, for ye are dead and your life is hid in Christ in God. So the life that you're moving around, living around now, is actually not your real, that is not the real you. Yeah, your real life, your real existence. Paul said that, as for me, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He loved me so much, he gave himself for me. Why would he leave me? Doesn't make any sense. If he loved me so much and gave himself for me, why would he leave me? You know, there are various um, concepts about the rapture. There's a um, pre-tribulation concept, pre-tribulation rapture. There are some people who believe that the rapture will occur before the great tribulation. Okay? Then there's a post-tribulation rapture. There are some preachers, very astute, wonderful men of God, who believe that all Christians will be taken through the rapture. And at the end of the, uh, the tribulation, the church is taken. Then there's another concept called the mid-tribulation rapture concept, concept where during the seven-year seven, seven period where the, the, the Jews have peace with their, with their neighbors and the Antichrist signs that peace agreement. I'll talk about these things, that, that peace agreement with them. The first ten and a half years is peace for Israel. But in the midst of the seven years, that is it. The, after the first ten and a half years, the Antichrist will turn against the children of Israel because he, shall, he, will, he will sacrifice the pig in the temple of God. Then Israel will know that he is actually the Antichrist. He's not the Messiah. Because for the first ten and a half years, they'll be hailing him as the Messiah. Because he's the one who brings peace. They believe that the Messiah is supposed to bring peace between, amongst them uh, and then between them and their neighbors. And he will do that for them for ten and a half years. But after ten and a half years, he will sac- it's called the abominations of desolations. You know, Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 24, Luke chapter 17. You see so many of them there. He will sacrifice a pig in the temple of God. And everybody will know, the Jews will know that, hey, this guy is actually the Antichrist, you know. So, um, some people believe that in the midst, of just when he sacrifices the pig, then Christians will be raptured. Do you see? Uh-huh. And there, there are so many scriptures in the Bible that can be used to push any of these concepts. But I want to explain, I'm trying to explain and let you know the fact that pre-tribulation rapture is actually what is really spoken of in the Bible. You see, it's, that is actually what is really written in the Bible because of several reasons. And I'm, I want to show you some more. Okay, I'm just trying to show you more, more and more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In First John 3, verse 1, for instance, the Bible talks about, like I said, it's, it's, the rapture is the, is the most exciting day for the bride of Christ, for the church. So First John 3, 1, he says that, Behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. We, we are called the sons of God, right? Yeah. Then he says, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Then he says, Beloved, now, did you see tomorrow? Now are we the sons of God. So depending on your understanding of uh, salvation, like I said earlier when we started, depending on your understanding of salvation, you will, your, your understanding of eschatology will be informed by your understanding of salvation. If you think that Christians are um, not really saved, 
that they have been promised salvation. Do you see? Then you think that Christians will have to go through the great tribulation before they are saved. Uh -huh. He says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God? Not tomorrow, not five days from now, not seven years from now, not in the great by and by, not in eternity. He says, Now are we the sons of God? And it does not yet appear what we shall be. He didn't say what some of us shall be, what we shall be, but we know that when He, when Christ shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. I'm using it. Now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we know. We know. Say we know. We know. We are aware. We know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it is an exciting day for us. It is not a day to be sad. It is not a day to um, dread. It's not a day to look forward to with fear. No, and I'm going to show you plenty of things to help you understand. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. is a day for the redemption of our bodies. And it's exciting. Just imagine you having a body that cannot get tired ever again. You don't have to sleep. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to come through doors. You can appear and disappear. Do you know that the sun is about 1.3 million times bigger than the earth? Wow. Yeah, is it million or billion? So, so big. Very, very big. You see? And there are stars that have been created by God that are bigger than the sun. There's Antares and all those big, there's Betelgeuse, all those big, big, big. I think uh, Antares is about 1.3 billion times or 1.4 billion times bigger than the sun that we know. Right. Yeah, there are various galaxies that we have not even, we've not even uh, uh, found out yet. Science keeps discovering various stars. And the stars, the, apparently the stars are more than the, 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 the sea, the, the sea, how do you call it? The, the sun at the seashore. Wow. Yeah, the stars in the heavens, in the skies are more than the sun on the seashore. Wow. And God created all of them because of the earth. Because of you and I. Can you imagine? So the stars will be our playground. You can visit and come back. You see, there's a desire in man to be super. There's a desire in man to be immortal. That's why we have movies like Superman, like Aquaman, like all the man. Which other man is there? Spider-Man, Iron Man, every kind of man. Please, I'm a salmon. It's not bad. Pastor Eli said I'm a salmon. Hallelujah. You see, so it's inside man. We, we can go down into the sea and come out without any problem. You can fly, do everything that you... So it's a, it's a day to look up for. And uh, what do you think? It's a day to become excited about. Not a day to be, to be so sad. We don't know. So there are words that I use in the Bible that show the excitement and the, the anticipation of that day. Romans chapter 8 verse 22. It says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. Even creation... The word groaneth, it is tiptoeing. Creation is tiptoeing to see the manifestation of the sons of God. Creation cannot wait to be delivered from the bonding in which it is. Yeah, nothing is supposed. God didn't create things to die. Animals were not created to die. All these things were not created to die. Trees were not created to die. But then they die. The sun was not created to be burning us like it is, it is doing in Africa. It's not supposed to be so cold out there, you know. It's not supposed to be like that. There was, the whole earth had one temperature. Yeah, the whole earth had one temperature before all these problems came. 
Do you see? So all those things will be restored back. F will be in this finest of states. Wow. So he says that we know that the whole, for, for we know that the whole of creation, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain until now. Verse 23. Then it says, and not only they, but ourselves also, ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, that is us. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. Waiting for the adoption to wait, or which is the redemption of our body. So he says, we groan within ourselves. We anticipate with so much joy. Every time the redemption of the body is mentioned, it's mentioned with joy. It's mentioned with great anticipation. Not sadness. And that day, that that day is the day for the, the rapture is a day for our transformation. Wow. Yeah, not the day for us to be some to be left behind. Charlie. No, 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 no. Did you did you save yourself? If salvation was by was by grace, okay. Now, during the wedding, on the wedding day, during the, the first sight, the kid the kidashin. The covenant is made. Remember, he, the, one of the first things he does during the Kedashin itself is that the man gives, uh, pays the bride price, isn't it? And then makes a covenant with the bride. The covenant is made with, with communion. Yeah, they drink of the same cup and then eat of the same bread. So Jesus, before he died, the night before he died, he gave them the cup, they drank of it, he gave them the bread, they ate of it. Then he said that, I will not partake of the vine with you. Until I do it, I do again in my father's house. That's one. That's one of the main things that the the groom says to the bride on that day. That is a covenant. After they've taken the communion, then he says to her that I will not partake of of this vine with you until we do so in my father's house. Wow. And that was exactly what Jesus said. He didn't say that with the mindset that he was going to leave some some part of the bride. And what are you talking about? We are all part of the body of Christ. Yeah. So long as you are born again, you are part. That's that was what I was telling you the last time that the, the qualification is on your birth. Wow. Yeah. If you are born again, that's it. We are born again by grace. Rapture is by grace. It's not by any other. It's not by works. It's by grace. Do you see? It's it's a promise that groom made to the bride that I'll come for you. Wow. He didn't say that I'll come for you if you are good enough. Or I'll come for you if you are not, I'll not come for you if you are like this. No, he never said that. He never said that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's something to be excited about. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with the hands, eternal in the heavens. Wow. wow! Since we know that if this earthly tabernacle, he's talking about our body, if this body was dissolved, was destroyed, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is some of us. He says we have all of us. All of us. Yes, the Corinthian church of all, all churches. So. No, you should read about the Corinthian church. You will see what type of church he was writing to. Yeah, very well, church. I don't want to say some things. I'm in a good mood this evening. <laughs> Look at verse 2, 2 Corinthians 5 2. Then it says, For in, in, this, in this particular hope, in this particular expectation, we groan. Have you seen that? I mean, he's, using, he's always using groan. How many times have you seen groan since I started talking? Groaning, tiptoeing, expecting. Do you see? For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon. 
with our house which is from heaven with our house which is from heaven he's talking about the resurrected body the new body next verse if so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked verse 4 for we that are in this tabernacle do groan again being burdened not for that we would be unclothed but clothed upon so that mortality might be swallowed up of life on that day, this mortality will be swallowed up by life. And we will have immortal bodies from henceforth, from that day forward. So it's something to, to look forward for. The Bible says that that is the day that death is swallowed up in victory. Yeah. No dying any longer. I don't know about you. But it's an, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting thing to look up to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know. The church, which is the bride, is saved from the wrath of God. The great the reason why I'm saying that the church will not be allowed to go through the tribulation is because the great tribulation is the wrath of God and the wrath of the Lamb. Oh, okay. Okay. It is God's wrath. Why would God bring his wrath to his own bride? Oh. It doesn't work. So there are a lot of scriptures that show that. It doesn't work. Do you see there's a difference between the wrath of God and the wrath of man. The church has suffered the wrath of man for many years. Many, many, many years. Many years. You should, you should read about the, uh, the, the Dark Ages, the Spanish Inquisition, the French Inquisition. I mean, the time when Constantine and uh, Nero, before Constantine, Nero and uh, Domitian, Nero, all these people were, burnt. Nero was burning 500 Christians every single day. Yeah, every single day he you put them he put wax around them and you know set them up on, on fire as though they were they were candles and they'll be feasting around, they'll be eating whilst human beings were burning, Christians were burning. So the church has faced humanity's man's wrath over the years, and God is not ready to allow his church to go through his wrath. So this is the wrath of God. Do you understand? The great tribulation is the wrath of God. It's not the wrath of man. Christians are allowed to, you know, go through the wrath of man. It's mentioned so many times. It's mentioned persecutions. It's that one. It's a promise. It's part of it. Jesus calls it the cup that the cup of sufferings that I drink of, and the baptism of sufferings that I am baptized of. Do you see? After that one, Jesus has spoken about it, and those who go through such persecutions are rewarded by Jesus Christ on that day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the wrath that we are talking about, the great tribulation, is the wrath of God. Though. It's not the wrath of man. It's the wrath of God. That's, the, that's what the confusion is. Some people think that the great tribulation will purify some Christians. But actually, it's not, it's not going to be an easy time for the world. Yeah, it's not something that God wants for his children. You see. So let's look at some of the, the scriptures that talk about the wrath of God. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 to verse 17. All these scriptures are in reference to the great tribulation. It says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree casted her untimely figs, when she's shaking of a mighty wind. I don't know if you have seen what is going on. Yeah. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. 
and the kings of the earth and great men and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. This is the wrath of the Lamb. When Jesus, Jesus is coming in his glory, okay, even before then, all the, says the, the skies will fall. Things will happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know. If, why would, why would his, his bride go through something like this? It doesn't make any sense. Look at verse 17. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? For the great day of the Lamb's wrath. We are the, we are the bride of the Lamb. So we are with him. We will be with him at that time. As soon as the church is raptured, as soon as the church is taken away, then the son of perdition, as we, we read it the last time, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's read it quickly and then we'll come back. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We can read from, I don't want us to read too much, so let's just read from verse 5. Okay, let's read from verse 3. From verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. I explained this to you the last time, isn't it? And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God seated in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Then he says, remember you know that when I was with, yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now let will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Every time he's talking about the revelation of the wicked one, the revelation of the Antichrist, he talks about the church being removed, first of all. So the day we are removed, that day, the Antichrist will be revealed. Our removal marks the entrance of the Antichrist. Do you see? Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, he will bring peace to Israel. He will start chasing people who were professing Christians. For the first 10 and a half years, it's people who were professing Christians who are left behind. Because they will know about the, the mark of the beast and all of those things. Because they were in church, they were hearing, but they never got born again. Yes. Yeah, and then they are left behind. But if you're a child of God, you're going, so just get born again. Don't be a professor. Don't be a professing Christian. Don't just be hanging around. Yeah, you have to be very smart. Don't just be hanging around. Get born again. That's the most important thing. You see, so he will start persecuting those ones for three and a half years. And he will have peace with Israel. Israel will be very happy. Then in the midst of it, in the, in the, in the third and a half year, he will sacrifice a pig, like I was saying, at the, on the altar of God. Then Israel, it's called the mystery of Israel's blindness. It's in Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 11. Israel is blind. Israel cannot see right now. Israel can't tell that Jesus Christ who came? Jesus, the son of Joseph. Eh? Jesus ben Joseph. Okay. Is actually the son of God who brought salvation to the world. They, they just can't understand it. For instance, Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter uh, 53 is removed from the, the Jewish scrolls. They've removed that particular scripture out of it. So a lot of Jews don't know that that particular scripture, that particular chapter exists. Mm, yeah, a lot of them don't know. You see, but that's, that chapter speaks of Christ's suffering, and everything that is written there is exactly what Jesus suffered when he came on it, yeah. as the scripture said. 
you see. So they don't know. It's, they are blinded. I think it's in uh, Romans chapter 11, isn't it? Romans 11, verse what? Romans eleven twenty five. 25. It says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part is happening to Israel unto the fullness of the Gentiles becoming. You see, Israel is blinded. It says Israel is blinded in part. They shall see Jesus. When they see Jesus coming from heaven, then they will believe. They will believe in him. That's when they will believe. So he comes, like I was saying, the, the very first, in the very first uh, message I preached in this particular series, that Jesus comes as a son of righteousness to save the Jews. So he will come and come and save the Jews on that day. During his second coming, the second aspect of his second coming, if you remember, he will come and come and save the Jews as a son of righteousness. On that day, every eye shall see him. You see, every eye shall see him. And he comes to come and save his own, his brethren, that is the Jews. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From the persecutions of uh, 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 the Antichrist, the great tribulation of the Antichrist. The great tribulation is called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's not the time of the church's trouble. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob is Israel. So it is for Israel. It is not for us. It's not for us. All through the Old Testament, there was no revelation of um, the rapture. There's no place in the Old Testament where the rapture is mentioned. Because the rapture is for the church. And it's a New Testament concept. It's not, for, it's not for the Jews. So it's not revealed to them. You see. So it was revealed to Paul. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul mentioned how that he was the one that uh, had God, God revealed the mysteries and the secrets to him. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Paul, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 51. It's a mystery. Rapture is a mystery. 1 Corinthians 15, says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. It's, it's a mystery. It's part of the mysteries of the kingdom, which Israel was not privy to. You see, Israel was not privy to it. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 3. Let me show it to you. I don't know if you like my message. You love it. Let me read from verse 1. I think from verse 1 will be good. Ephesians 3 from verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, what? How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I, I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. It's a mystery. This is a mystery. It wasn't exposed to... Okay, let's go on. You see it. Verse 5. Which in other ages, this mystery in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Then he goes on, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs in the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. This was something that was hidden in the Old Testament, that the Gentiles would be partakers. No, 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 no. It was not revealed to them. Nobody knew that something called the church, that would be the bride of Christ. No, no. There was nothing like that. There was nothing like that. Remember, for so many years, from Acts chapter 1 all the way to Acts chapter 11, they preached the gospel not to Gentiles, but to only Jews. Only Jews, yes. No Gentile was allowed. Only Jews. It was in Acts chapter 10 that Peter was led by God to go into Cornelius' house. Do you see? And before then, uh, Philip was also led by God to meet the Ethiopian eunuch. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Gentiles were not allowed at all. 
that revelation was given to Paul. So in, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul speaks about how that he was sent to the Gentiles. And Paul and Peter, James, and John were sent to the Jews. You see, Galatians 2, 9, it says, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be peerless, perceived, that, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the hidden, and they unto the circumcision. Have you seen it? Yeah. yeah. We should go to the circumcision, the, to, to the hidden, that's to the Gentiles, and they unto the circumcision. So the gospel to Jews is different from the gospel to the Gentiles. It's not the same. So there are a lot of things in, in the Bible that actually refers to the Jews and not to the Gentiles, or not to the church. There are so many. I'll show you some of them today. Sure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it was a mission that was hidden. In the Old Testament, the seed is found. That we see the seed found in the Old Testament. For instance, like Enoch, okay, the servant from Adam, was taken by God. He was caught up by God. You see, that was a seed of it. Everything you have in the New Testament has a seed in the Old Testament. So it has a seed in there, but then after that, they don't hear about. They don't hear anything about about it again. You see, so it's a New Testament concept altogether. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Great Tribulation is not for the church. It's not for the church. Okay, let me show you some. Revelation chapter fourteen, verse nine to verse eleven. Revelation fourteen nine to eleven. And a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Have you seen it? Yeah. Which is poured out without mixture. And the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. Undiluted wrath, concentrated wrath, into the cup of his indignation. God has a cup called the cup of indignation. The cup of anger. <laughs> the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Next verse. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image. And whosoever received the mark of his name. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's the wrath of God that is poured out with that mixture. It has nothing to do with his children. I'll show you some more. Look at verse 19. Go to verse 19. I'm just showing you that this is the wrath of God. Mm? The great tribulation and all the things that goes with. All the things that happen. The stars falling and this one is all the wrath of God. God is pouring. God will be pouring his wrath onto humanity. Verse 19, Revelation 14, 19. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Next verse. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred fellows. Now, this is in reference to the, the day Jesus comes. We'll talk about it. Don't worry. Chapter 15, verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. Have you seen it? Yeah. Hmm? Go to verse seven. Chapter fifteen, verse seven. And all the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. Next verse. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. And from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Next verse is chapter 16, verse 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. It's the wrath of God. It's not there, it's not for his children. So, like I was saying, the church 
has suffered the wrath of man for centuries, and hence it's not, it's not allowed to go to the wrath of God. It is, the church is saved from the wrath of God. Let me show you some more scriptures along those lines. The fact that the church is saved from this wrath of God, this coming wrath. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, from verse 3 to verse 10. I'm just reading scriptures to you. I don't want my mouth to say something that is not true. I, want this, I just want you to be reading scriptures to you so that you see it in, the, in your Bible. Okay? I, I prefer that. Yeah. Don't say I'm quoting too many scriptures. I'm showing you from the Bible. <laughs> Second Thessalonians chapter 1 from verse 3 to verse 10. It says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations which ye endure, that ye endure. What's he talking about? He's talking about the persecutions and the tribulations that the church goes through because of man. Man has, like I've been saying, man has persecuted the church for centuries, and the Thessalonian church was not exempt from it. They were persecuted seriously. Yeah. So he says, um, go to verse 4. Let's read from verse 4 into verse 5. So that as we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. This, this, your persecution and your tribulation is a manifest token of the righteousness of God, the justice of God. That you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Because the kingdom of God, they were suffering. Christians were suffering. Christians are still suffering right now as I'm talking to you. Yeah, yeah Christians who are being beheaded and all kinds of things are happening all around the world. He says, that persecution that man is putting on Christians, is a manifest token of the righteousness of God. <laughs> Look at the next verse. Verse 6. See, it is, a, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. So there's a day that God will recompense tribulation to all those who trouble Christians. Man who has troubled Christians all this while. It says, because they've troubled Christians all this while, it is a manifest token of God's righteousness. Yeah, seeing it is a righteous thing of God to recompense, to give back tribulation to them that trouble you. Next verse. Look at the kind of tribulation. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Next verse. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. Not on them that know God, but on them that know not God. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. All those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says he will put vengeance on them. Next verse, verse 9. Who shall be punished with the balancing destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? They shall be punished with the balancing destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Verse 10. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints. So to them... There's punishment, but to us, he's glorified wow. in us. And to be admired, he's admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we are on two different platforms all together. First Thessalonians chapter 1 from verse 9. First Thessalonians chapter 1 from verse 9. Look at this. It says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living God, the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Who 
delivered us from the wrath to come. He delivered us. He's not going to do it on that day. He's delivered us from the wrath to come. The day we got born again. There are two things that is expected of us today. I told you the last time. We have to win our affection from the world and set our affection unto him, isn't it? Unto our Lord. To wait for him. To love him. And then we are to serve him. Isn't it? We are to work for him. We are to do all the things we are supposed to do to sew our garments. Those are the two things that I referred to in this particular verse. So go to verse 9. Maybe you didn't see it. Let me show it to you again. It says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve. First one is to serve the living and true God. Then it says, And to wait for his son. It says to serve and to wait for his son. So right now we are waiting for him. And as we wait, we serve. Are you saying? Yeah. Waiting for him is taking our affection from the world and putting affection on him. And serving is a means, is a means by which we sow in our garments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't just serve. Serve and wait for him. Serve and love him. Serve and expect him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And to wait for a son from heaven whom he raised on the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Brother, he's delivered us from the wrath to come. That wrath that I was talking about, the wrath, that, the wrath of God I was talking about, yeah. the verses that I was mentioning, yeah. he says he's delivered us from that particular wrath that is to come. Mm. Let me show you some more. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. First Thessalonians 5, 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us you see, the, the hope of salvation, you know which hope of salvation is talking about, right? Yeah. Right now, I, I expect you to understand some of these things when you read them in the Bible. For God has not appointed us, uh, go, go, to, go to verse 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. You know that helmet, right? Yeah. The helmet of salvation, which is the hope of what we are, the hope of the salvation of our body. That's not salvation of our spirit, though. Okay. Next verse, verse 9. <laughs> Then it says, for God has not appointed us to wrath. God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. What salvation is talking about? The salvation of the body. It says, God has not called us to wrath. So we are not going to go through that wrath. He has rather appointed us to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's so clear. The scriptures are speaking for themselves. So there's no need to believe that We'll go through the tribulation before. He says he has not appointed us to wrath. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 to verse 9. But God commended his love toward us. In that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. But God commended his love. God shows his love toward us. In that while, while we were yet sinners, while we were not correct, Christ died for us. Did he just die for us only? Next verse. Verse 9. How much more then? The word much more then is how much more then? Being now justified by his blood. Being now declared not guilty by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. We shall be saved from wrath. From all kinds of wrath through him. He didn't say we shall be saved through wrath. He said we shall be saved from wrath through him, through Jesus Christ. How much more then? Being now just now that is it now that he has justified us by his blood? Ah, 
what are you talking about? Even when we were, here, we were here sinners, Christ died. Much more than now that we are justified by his blood. Says we shall be saved from wrath through him. All forms of wrath. So Charlie, rejoice. Whatever you think about it, rejoice. You are not appointed for wrath. No, 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 no. You are not appointed for wrath. Like I was saying the last time, it will be a problem if we believe that those of us who are alive at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ will have some being left. Because all those who are dead, he says, he shall come with all those who are dead. I read them to you the last time. He shall come with all those who are dead and they shall receive their resurrected bodies. So why is it that those of us who are alive will be left? Why should you be left? Why should some people be left? Those who, those who, went, those who died and went away, were they all correct? No. Not all of them were correct. Already, Already we know. But it will come with all of them. So it makes no difference on which level you are on. Yeah. The qualification for the rapture is your new birth. Okay. This verse show it to us. It says, go back, go, go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It's so nice. So nice. But God commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than if he died for us while we are sinners. How much more than now that we are justified by his blood? Now that we are declared not guilty by his blood. Ah, he says we shall be saved from wrath through him. So don't be afraid. Tell me, but don't be afraid. The Bible says fear causes torment. Fear causes torment. That is why a lot of preachers cannot preach about the end times. Because whenever we preach about it, it puts fear into people. And when it puts fear into you, it takes away the love of God. You, don't, you can't love God much. Because, hey, maybe you leave me. And if you leave me, why should I love him? True. I should be careful of him. Yeah, that's what you think. A lot of people have been against God for a very long time. You see. But he's actually coming for you. He's coming for a glorious church. That, that's what he's coming for. So you should be looking, we should be loving. The more we love him, it's a love affair. The more we love him. The more we are preparing ourselves. We wait for him with great anticipation, with great joy, with great excitement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. First John 4, verse 17. Let's read from verse 17. Here is our love made perfect. Actually, the ASV shows us why. He's not talking about our love. The ASV says, Herein is love made perfect with us. Herein is his love made perfect with us so that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is even so are we in this world because he has made us just like him we have boldness with him on that day his love has made us just like him i don't know if you get it yeah Yeah, his love has made us just like him so we have boldness on that day because as he is so are we now in this world then he says there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear has punishment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So fear will not make you perfect in love. Meanwhile, God is expecting love from you. Wow. We love because he first loved us. He first loved us. So he expects us to love him back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You don't be afraid. afraid. Don't be afraid. You're a child of God. Child. God meant it when he said you're his child. Yeah. Look at John chapter 5. Let's read verse 25. That's just 24. John 5, 24. This is Jesus talking. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heard my word, and believeth on him that sent me, has everlasting life. 
do you have everlasting life? Why? Because you believed in him, isn't it? You heard his word and you believed on him that sent him. He says, you have everlasting life. And because you have everlasting life, you shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The one who believeth on me, the one who has sent me, shall not come into condemnation. The word condemnation is judgment. Judgment from who? Judgment from God. The great tribulation is the judgment of God unto the earth. So we've passed. He says, you shall not come into judgment. Any form of judgment, any form of condemnation. But you have passed from death unto life. As far as God is concerned, anything coming from God, any condemnation, any judgment coming from God has nothing to do with his children because they believe in him. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no, no condemnation. The word condemnation is judgment. There is no judgment, no form of judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. No form of judgment. So the great tribulation is judgmental. It's God's judgment. It's God's wrath to man. It says there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Yeah. Stop being afraid. Start loving the Lord. Yeah, maybe you've not, you've not been loving him. This is the time to start loving him. This is the time to have your affection on him. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, so you are not going to judgment, okay? Yes, and amazingly, you know, every time these things... You know, the book of Thessalonians is the very first book of the New Testament to be written. Is the, and church... Did, uh, uh, Paul didn't spend much time with the Thessalonian church. He spent some few weeks with them. He spent not less, not more than a month with them. Oh, yeah. Wow. Meanwhile, in his one month stay with them, he started a church, and in a month he had taught them about the Thess- first Thessalonians and second Thessalonians talk about the mystery of Christ's coming, the second coming, more than any other book in the Bible. Meanwhile, he wrote it to those who had just been born again, fresh, because that is uh, it is uh, uh, how do you even call it? Uh, it is an ingredient for helping you love God wow. more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had just spent some few years, few, few, few weeks with them. And he wrote these wild things to them. And he said, do you remember that I told you when I was yet with you? That's second Thessalonians. Yeah. He says, do you remember when I was with you? I told you this. In one month, he shared all these things with them. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look, at, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. We have to comfort one another with these words. So these are words concerning the second coming of Christ. So words concerning the rapture. Yet look at the look at the way he refers to them. Look at this. He says from verse 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath. You remember this one? Yeah. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10. Who died for us? That whether we wake, whether we are alive or dead, that's what he's talking about. We should live together with him. So whether you are alive or dead, there's one aim that God has for you to live with him, to live together with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at verse 11. Then he says, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. He says, with these words, comfort one another. It is good. How can tribulation be comforting? Can tribulation be comforting? No, 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 no. no. He says, comfort one another. Comfort yourselves together and edify, help build one another, even as also you do. With these words, with these words concerning his coming. Because he has not appointed us to wrath. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at uh, chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4 from verse 16. Oh, let's read. Go to, go to verse 14. I think it will be good. Let me just read this letter to you. It's nice. 
He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep or which are dead in Jesus, will God bring with him? So he will bring with them with him on that day. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them or shall not precede them which are asleep or which are dead. Verse 16, for the Lord himself, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive, not some of us, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. The word caught up is what? Hapazo. We shall be raptured. We shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. These are comforting words. That is why, that is why you are, I'm sharing on rapture. You are becoming excited. Because these are words that are supposed to bring you comfort. Not words that are supposed to make you feel. Can you imagine that in the entire church, since, since uh, uh, the time we found out about the, the rapture, less than 2% of preachers in the world preach it on a regular basis. Less than 2% worldwide. Because it's not fun. It's not been a fun thing for many Christians. Meanwhile, it's a fun thing. It's a fun day. It is an exciting day. Who, who runs away from his, own, from his own wedding day? No, no, no. Unless you have, you have some three girlfriends you know will come and come and destroy the wedding. No. Charlie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, for comfort another. In 2 Thessalonians, you see some more. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The one in chapter 2. When you read down, he talks about comfort. Allow these verses to comfort you as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So none of us is left. All of us. Second hmm? Thessalonians chapter two verse one. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter two verse one. Not one. So when you think about when when you, when you think about the great tribulation, don't think about yourself. When we are enjoying in 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 heaven with our Lord, the great tribulation will be happening on earth. Whilst we are enjoying our feasts, they will be having their own problems, but not us. Yeah. Look at Second Thessalonians two one. It says, "Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." And by our gathering together unto him. Our gathering, not some people's gathering. Our gathering, all of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone said we are going in the studio. Yeah. We are going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you should come today, we are all going. Yeah. You should be surprised if you are not going. Yeah. Like, hey, what's happening? Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, I remember years ago, I think about four years ago or five years ago, there was an explosion around Medina. There was a gas explosion. Atomic junction. There was an atomic bomb. And there was a man driving his car. You know, everybody thought Jesus was coming because the explosion was so serious. It went deep into the sky and it exploded. It was a gas leakage. It went into the... The gas had leaked into the system. Into the, so it, it's... The whole of the heavens lighted up. It was not a small thing. And everybody was so, people were moving and running and all kinds of things. I mean, the number of people that had, were killed by cars that were, you know, speeding was more than, the, even the gas explosion did not kill anybody. But the extras, it was not a small thing. So there was this man driving his car and he had two, two of his children at the back seat. So when, when he saw the explosion, he thought Jesus had come. 
he thought the rapture had come. So he turned to check if the children was, were there. And when he checked, they were there. Then he said, what sin did you commit? <laughs> that was the first thing he said, what sin did you commit? What wrong did you do that you are still here? <laughs> it's like he's not expecting to go. He, he knows that he's not going. <laughs> but what did these children do? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are all going. Say we are all going. First Corinthians 15:51. We are all going, okay? So don't be afraid. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall all, not some, we shall all be changed. Hallelujah. So we are all going. Nobody is going to be left behind. Now, there's a popular scripture in Matthew 24, verse 40 to 42 that I want to read to you. That always confuses a lot of Christians. I even had a question coming in with that particular verse. Okay? That if all of us are going to be taken, how about this particular verse? Matthew 24, verse 40. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Verse 41. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken. And the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord cometh. Your Lord come. Is it not a? It's a popular scripture. We've preached with it so many times with rapture in mind. But the word "taking" there has nothing to do with the rapture. The word "take" there is paralambano. Paralambano it means to receive or to take one and separate the other. Okay. Now, Mark, Mark chapter twenty-four was actually written. With the Jews in mind, Jesus was talking about the Jews. Yeah. He was talking about his coming with respect to the Jews, not his coming with respect to the church. Okay. Okay. So, verse 1, go to verse 1, Matthew 24, verse 1. It's important to read the Bible very well yeah. so that you don't get confused. And you must allow the Holy Spirit to help you interpret the scriptures. Okay? Awesome. Matthew 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and the disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Which temple? The Jewish temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another. That shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take Take it that no man deceive you. So he started talking. You can read the whole of Matthew 24 for yourself. But if you notice, for instance, the, the verse 2, Jesus said that not even one single stone. Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be one left here, one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. I was talking about the temple. In AD 70, okay, that's about 40 years after Jesus had ascended, about 37 years. Israel, Judah, Judah, Judea was under siege by the Roman Empire. The emperor sent his son, General Titus, who was a general then, to go and go and destroy Jerusalem and to destroy Israel because they were, there was an insurrection against the Roman government. You know, Rome was the ones governing Israel. Even when Jesus came, that was what was happening. Okay, so they went against them, went against the Roman Empire. And General Titus was sent by the, 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 the emperor that he should go and go and destroy Israel. And when he was going, General Titus said to his men that they should not destroy the temple. Because the temple was made of gold. They should not destroy it. So it was the word of the 
general son against the word of God's son. Because Jesus has said that this temple that you are seeing, not even one stone will be left on it. Can you imagine that? When the soldiers got there, they killed. The Bible says that there was, it's not the Bible that said it, history. You can read it in history. There was so much blood. They killed so many Israelites to the point that there was, the, the, their blood flowed in the streets like water. It was not a small thing. They killed so many of them. And they wanted to get the gold, the soldiers wanted to get the gold off the temple. And they ended up taking everything out of the temple. They, they broke the temple into pieces. So even though the, the general said they shouldn't destroy the temple, they ended up destroying the temple. In an, in an, <laughs> in an attempt to take the gold, they ended up destroying the temple. Fulfilling Jesus' words here. Okay? And everything Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 24 is with the Jews in mind. It is with the Jews. And remember, the Jews are not raptured. If you are a Jew and you, you are born again, you'll be raptured because you are no more a Jew. You are now a child of God. But if you are a Jew, you are not going to be raptured. Jews are left. Go to that great tribulation. Then Jesus comes to come and save them. That is the only way to receive him. Okay, so um, there's another scripture in Luke chapter 17. Same, it talks about the same thing, but in a different, in a slightly different way. So I want to use that to explain uh, these verses. That talks about one shall be taken and one shall be left and all of that. Okay? Luke chapter 17, verse 20 to verse 37. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here, or see there. Go not, go not after them, nor follow them. For as a lightning that lighted up the out of the one part under heaven. Let me read again. For as the lightning that lighted out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. He's talking about his, the second aspect of his second coming. So this particular verse is the same as what is written in, Romans, in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. I shared it with you the last time. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. It says, every eye shall see him. Go to Revelation 1 7. Behold, he cometh to clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. So this is the second aspect of the second coming of Christ, which is publicly. So what Jesus is describing is his public appearance, not his private appearance. Please, do you understand? What he's saying in Luke, which he said in Matthew, is the same thing in Matthew. But what he's saying in Luke and Matthew is with reference to his coming for uh, the Jews. He says, every eye shall see him. Jesus said that, don't, some people will say that, you'll be designing, he says to the disciples, you will want to see me when I'm gone. And you shall hear that I'm here and I'm there. Don't go. Don't go to anybody. Because my coming will be so clear. The day will, the day will, come, the day, the day will be so clear that as the lightning that lights up, from one part of the heavens and gets to another part of the heavens. Everybody, every eye shall see me. That's verse 24. I don't know if you get it. Yeah. For as a lightning, the light that lighted out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven. So shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Next verse. But first, before he comes like that, he must suffer many things and rejected of this generation. Did, did that happen? Yeah. That happened. Next verse. And as it was in the days of Noah, 
So shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. So shall it be during my second coming, my second aspect of my second coming, as was the days of Noah. It is not the same as ours. I don't forget it. Yeah. It's not the same as ours. Yeah. How, how, what happened with Noah? Everybody, he says, they did eat. They drank. Luke 17, 27. They did eat. They drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. It destroyed them all. That was not rapture. They saw it. He was there. Noah was there. That was not a taking away, a catching away. Do you get it? Yeah. Then it says, they did it. Next verse. Likewise also it was in the days of Lot. For they did, for, uh, they did it, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Have you seen it? It's not, it's not the same as the rapture. Okay? Even that shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. When it comes like that. The first one is not revealed, is it? The first, com- the first aspect of the second coming, he's not revealed to everybody. Huh. This one, he's revealed to everybody. So he's talking about the second one. Please, you understand? Yes. Then he says, in that day, verse 31, in that day, he which shall be upon the housetop, in the day that he shall be revealed, the one who is upon the housetop and is staff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. What happened to Lot's wife? When Lot's wife turned back, she was turned into a pillar of salt, isn't it? That the Jesus shall come and shall save Israel. But people will be in a lot of people will be in different places. They will all see what is happening. That the day Jesus comes, physically like that, is the same day that there will be a war between the Antichrist and the men of the East. So it will be a day of war. And when they see, they are going to attempt to fight Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 19. Let's read from verse 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. He says, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness is that judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who is that? Jesus Christ, isn't it? Verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven, who are the armies which were in heaven? We, those of us, Christians. This, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine lining, white and clean. Remember, verse 7, Revelation 19, verse 7. Go to Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the lamb is, the man of the lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine lining, clean and white. For the fine lining is the righteousness of sins, or the righteous works of sins. I've told you this already. So the same fine lining that we wear, our wedding gown is the same. Our wedding gown is actually an armor. It's a a fighting armor. So the same lining, white and clean, is the same white lining that we come with Jesus on white horses with. So verse 14 says it. Revelation 19, 14 says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine lining, white and clean. So it's the same group. That's Christians, okay? Verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treaded the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Remember this? The wrath of God. And he, he has on his vesture on, and on his tie a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
verse 17. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and, the, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and born, both small and great. Next verse. And I saw the beast and the king. Oh, there's a place where he mentions that um, a sword comes out of his mouth, out of Jesus' mouth, and consumes them. I don't know if it's, I think we, verse what? Verse 15. Did we jump it? And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations now. On that day, on the day that the Lord comes, as he's coming, okay, that same day is a, is a, is a battle of uh, Amagedon. And the battle of Amagedon is between the Antichrist and his cohorts with the people of the East. Some people say they are, they are the Chinese. They will never be happy with the, because the Antichrist will step on many toes. Okay? So they will never be happy with them. And they will be coming to come and fight. I'll show you some of those scriptures on Sunday. They will be coming to come and fight. And on that, when they are coming to fight, just when they are fighting, okay, Jesus and us will be coming from the skies. And they will think that we are aliens. So they will unite to try and fight against us. You get it? And on that day, a lot of Jews will be killed on that day. Just before Christ comes. Before that day, the Bible says that it's called the, the, the Great Tribulation is called the time of Jacob's trouble. I'll show you more scriptures on that on Sunday. The time of Jacob is a time when, you see, during the Holocaust, during the, uh, the Second World War, every one out of three Jews was killed. Five million Jews died. But during the Great Tribulation, every two out of three Jews will be killed. It will not be an easy time at all. Okay? So what Jesus was describing, before he comes, on that day when he's coming, there will be a lot of persecutions going on. The war and everything, they'll be killing Jews and all of that. Because the battle is going to happen around Mount Olives. With the Jews in mind. They'll be trying to kill the Jews. I don't know if you get it. So Jesus says that, on that day when they see, when they see him coming, some people will be taken, and some will not be taken. Some people will be taken and destroyed. So go back to Luke chapter 17. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. It has nothing to do with the rapture. I'm just taking time to try and explain it to you. Go back to Luke chapter 17 where we're reading, where we stopped. For as a lightning that lighted out of the one part under heaven, shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. When it's coming, it says every aisle, the whole world, everybody will see him. We don't know whether it will be by live streaming or something. <laughs> it's possible. Because right now, live streaming can let everybody see you, isn't it? No matter where they are in the world. It says every eye shall see him. For as a light, so it, it will be so clear, everybody will see him coming in glory. Next verse. Then it says, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected of regeneration. Verse 26, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. I think you read this, right? Yeah. Go down, go down to the place where one is taken and one is left. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. The one who shall seek to save his life, seek to go and go and take food. He says, if you are on top of the house, or you're of your house, flee, run. Don't go into your house to say you are going to take clothing or food or something. Because if you go, you'll be captured. And you'll be destroyed. Run. Says, I tell you, in that night, there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, and the other shall be left. One shall be taken away to be killed, and another will run. That's what he's talking about. The other will be left. Please you understand? Yeah. Next verse. Then it says, two men shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken, and the other left. 
the persecution will be so much, some people will be able to escape. And some people will not be able to escape. Basically, that's what he's talking about. So it has nothing to do with our rapture. <laughs> Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. It has nothing to do with our rapture. And, then, and they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? Where is this going to? Where will your coming be? Please, you get it. Where will your coming be? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Next verse. That's chapter 18, verse 1. Go back to the verse we just read. It says, Where, where the wheresoever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. What do you think he's talking about? Where I appear, where I show up, is where everybody, that's where the fight will be. That's where everybody will be gathered. That's the location. Wherever I am, that will be the location. And remember, there's a sword that comes out of his mouth, isn't it? That destroys all of them. He says, that's Revelation chapter 19 and 15. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it, it should smite the nations. He will not fight. Jesus will not fight the them with swords. Out of his mouth will come a sword and destroy all of them. And he shall rule them with the rod of iron. After he has destroyed all of them, then he rules. Okay? That is why the angel called for the angels to come and come and feed on the bodies of kings and all of that. And I, that's verse 17. I saw an angel standing in the sun and cried with a loud voice, saying to the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. What is the supper? The supper is the death of all those people. Nice verse. That you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and born, both small and great. Please, you understand? Yes. The Bible mentions that on that day, so many people die. I'll talk, I'm going to talk about it properly. I'm just going through it, but I'll talk about it very well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Either on Sunday or on Wednesday. Okay? So, he says that on that day, so many people died, that the, body, the bodies that will be lying upon each other will be up to the horse's bridle. It will, not be an, it will not be a small thing, like five feet off the ground. So many people will die. And the, the, it will be so, they will take so many weeks, you know, taking the bodies away. It will not be a small thing at all. Hallelujah. So it will be a great wild time. And that's what he was talking about and referring to in Mark chapter 24, verse 42, verse 42. Okay? So it has nothing to do with the church. It has nothing to do with the church. In Jesus' name. That is the only scripture that you can use to say that, oh, some people will be left, some people will be taken. No, he's not talking about rapture. The word taken there has nothing to do with the rapture. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how will the rapture be? Let's answer this last question and then we'll close. I think we've had enough for the day. How will the rapture be? How is it going to be? How is the rapture going to be on that day? 1 Corinthians 15, 51. We've read it so many times. In a moment, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Hmm? In a moment, the word moment is atomos. A-T-O-M-O-S. Atomos. And it means atom. An atom is indivisible, right? The smallest indivisible, whatever. So, it says, in an indivisible time. That's what he's talking about. In a moment. So, the rapture will be, it will happen in an indivisible time. And what time, what specific time is it? It says, in the twinkling of an eye. The twinkling of an eye is not this. This is the blink of an eye. This blink. But the twinkle of an eye it's different from a blink of an eye. A blink of an eye is one eleventh of a second. A blink of an eye is one eleventh. If we divide 60 seconds into 11, 
That's a blink. That's how long it takes to blink your eye. But a twinkle of an eye is 10 to the power negative 35 of a second. 10 to the power negative 35 of a second. So it's way faster. Before the world realizes, we are gone. I tell you. Before they blink and open their eyes, we are gone. Hallelujah. And then our bodies are changed quickly. Then we meet him up in the air. Hallelujah. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. As we are with him and feasting with him. The world will be going through the great tribulation. So on Wednesday, I'll talk about the great tribulation. And the events of the great tribulation. All the things that will be happening in there. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So be excited. Don't be, don't be, don't be worried. Perfect love casts out fear. Always remember that. It's a time to rejoice. Not a time to be sad. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Close your eyes wherever you are and let's pray. Father, thank you for for all the things you've shared with us today. We are grateful and we are thankful. Thank you that these words are working in us and causing us to increase on every side of our lives. As we hear and study concerning the revelation of your son on that day and are gathering together on him. Thank you that these words cause us to love you even some more in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you that our hearts and our minds are full of excitement, full of joy, expecting, tiptoeing, expecting that day in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you that our love for you increases yet more and more. Through this knowledge, we are comforted, we are edified, and we are inspired to love you even some more. Thank you, Father. I pray for every single person who is ill or sick in any part of his or her body right now. Father, thank you that every single pain is gone away right now in Jesus' name. I rebuke that pain. I rebuke that infirmity in your body, that infirmity in your flesh, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I declare freedom. You are free right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I declare great healing for your body. Instant healing for you in the name of the Lord Jesus. As we hope for the day of salvation of our bodies, that hope produces healing in our bodies right now. Therefore, I pray, Lord, and pronounce healing. Declare healing for every single challenge in anybody right now. Even in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Check your body. Check what the pain is gone. Call us. Tell us about your miracle. Even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.